Hello and welcome to another episode of To Be Perfectly Honest. As always, I'm your host, Corey, and with me as always we have... Anel. Finally, she's back. I'm back. No editing her in this episode. And better than ever. And we are talking about episode two, that's The King's Road of season one. And Anel, how did you like this episode? It was long like The King's Road. It is. And bumpy. So bumpy. There were some bumps. Um, yeah, probably my least favorite scenes in this uh, episode. Uh, if I have to see Joffrey and uh, Sansa and Arya and the Butcher's Boy one more time, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, worst scene ever. <laughs> I'm like, you could change everything right now. <laughs> oh, it but all starts with the Butcher's Boy. What can you do? Um, so to get into it, I guess we'll just do a brief rundown and then I have a lot of questions on this one and all, so I think we'll just do that and jump right into it. So in this episode, we have the Dothraki horde. They're riding from Pentos to, um, they're on the way to Das Dothrak and Daenerys is not used to anything. You can tell she looks like she can barely walk. Uh, Jorah is getting pretty familiar with her already. Um, then we jump over and we are in Winterfell. We have Joffrey and Tyrion and they're fighting over, you know, basically going and saying, Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, he gets smacked around a couple times. We have a family dinner with the Lannisters and they make it pretty clear that something shady is going on and Tyrion's pretty much going to pick up on that later. <clears throat> uh, Cersei then visits Catelyn and she says, I also had a stillborn child, so I know what you're going through, lying through her teeth. We have Jamie and Jon Snow talking at the blacksmith. He's basically talking shit to him about, yeah, it was so honorable to go to the Night's Watch, have fun, uh, you know, never having sex. Um, <laughs> he gets a, uh, a, a sword called Needle uh, for Arya, and that is given to her as a present as they say farewell. John also says goodbye to Bran. Catelyn's a bitch to him. Ned says goodbye to Catelyn. And everybody pretty much goes on the road, on the King's Road and the road to the Wall. Uh, with Ned and John, we have a particular moment that I'd like to draw uh, a little bit of attention to. So <clears throat> we have Ned and John. And Ned says that, you know, going to the Wall is a great honor, that the Starks have manned the Wall for thousands of years. And you might not have my name, but you have my blood. And, you know, John says, you know, is my mother alive? We Obviously, they've never talked about this. You would think this would have came up, you know, at any time in the past. Um, <clears throat> and Ned pretty much shrugs it off and is like, hey, we'll talk about it next time we see you. I mean, scary movie status. Yeah, like, oh, okay, I'm sure that will happen, you know. Cute. Some one of you are gonna die. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, because we definitely get around to doing this. Like the kings come down to see Ned. Oh, never. Okay, <laughs> totally. Um, and he's going to that viper's nest with all the Lannisters, so that should be very interesting. Um, so Robert and Ned have a picnic after they get on their way, and they talk about you know the girls that they like to fuck and how Rob just you know left and right wanted to take those girls and what was that whore of yours called and Ned's like oh, awkward uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna talk about it so we have that going on um, right after that so awkward we're like there's definitely more to the story we go back over um, and talk to Robert and we figure out that he has PTSD not for war but for Targaryens <laughs> and he is for not sure. a happy camper about that he does make some good points though 
100,000 Dothraki. They don't have ships, but if they did find ships, they could come back and they could be a legitimate threat to the throne. Now, Anel, what is your take on this? Do you feel like, are you more on Ned's side or are you on Robert's side? Do you feel like there's any legitimacy to what Robert's talking about? Or do you feel like you're on Ned's side where you're crazy, why are you trying to kill this little girl? Um, <clears throat> I feel like you're crazy, why are you trying to kill this little girl? And especially, have have you seen the Dothraki? You think they, they could Dothraki? man a ship? Oh, is that, uh, you know that big old hunk of a man? Oh, yeah, good that thing they're good table. looking, because mm. that's all that they got going for them. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, you know, I kind of, um, I get what he's saying, you know, like, Ned is very much like, we don't need to kill this little girl. But at the same time, like, but maybe think this is a little bit of a threat, you know? For like, sure. This could be something. Have you read The Art of War? No. So one of the points in The Art of War is when you have an enemy, you don't just destroy them. If you there is a little ember, yeah. you have to... Oh, Wait totally. for that ember to burn out. And that's kind of how Robert's take is. Totally. I completely agree. And the thing about that is that makes you a psychopath. Hmm. <laughs> ah, Dogarian! Ah, that's called genocide. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> Literally. is. Literally. Um, but you gotta love him. <laughs> he just drinks a lot. Um, <laughs> so then we pop over and we actually do see what's going on with Daenerys. And she's now called the Khaleesi because she's married to the Call, And she is getting pounded like she's riding that horse still. She is not into it. Um, all that she's really getting into uh, and making through is looking at them eggs left and right. Like, she's like hate fucking the eggs, basically. <laughs> but um, that is what's keeping her same, sane. And then um, we flash back over, we kick it with John and Tyrion and Benjen, uh, we have in this one. And we basically have the moment of Oh shit. <laughs> I'm on the road to the wall. Everyone said this was going to be honorable. I'm here with a bunch of rapers. Everyone's dirty and smells and it's cold as hell and I'm not even halfway there. And Tyrion basically has a pretty honest moment where he's like, you know what? You're a bastard. Don't let anyone tell you you're not a bastard, but own it. And at first he's kind of taking offense at this and we don't really know how he feels about Tyrion, but we find out that Tyrion's the only one that's honest to him, and that's kind of invaluable. And I think John learns to love that, but right now he's like pissed off because someone's basically going, I told you so, I told you so. Look how shitty it is. My question is, what is there to do in the North? I mean, I live in the North. There is not shit to do in the North. <laughs> so, true. Very how true. is it that John has never taken a little trip? Gone on a little outing, snuck out, even got halfway to the north. Even, like, how does he not know this? Well, Catelyn wouldn't let him outside. <laughs> I guess. Freak out on him. Yeah, it's very kind of like, Catelyn um, would lock his ass outside. Seriously, she's like. Catelyn <laughs> would be like, oh, what did you say you want to go to the wall right now? Oh, go ahead. Let me drop you off. She's like, oh, there's dire wolves outside? Huh, well, oh, I lost the key to the gate. Oopsies. <laughs> um... Yeah, so the, it's kind of like we have these two unlikely pairs together. We have an outcast, basically the two outcasts. We have an outcast from the Stark family, who's a bastard, he doesn't even have that name. He's being ostracized to the wall because that's the only place he has. And we have Tyrion, who's basically the outcast of the Lannister family, where 
he's going on this for, you know, basically just to see the most marvelous thing in the world, the most natural wonder, which isn't really natural, it's man-made, but it's amazing, it's legendary, but he's still the outcast, and um, they kind of have a heart-to-heart moment, that's kind of awesome. Um, we see that Catelyn is still sitting next to Bran. She's basically lost it. Um, there's all sorts of things going on. We find out that that feast that they had, which looked pretty low-key, like if I do say so myself, I feel like I could throw that party. I would just need to go to Costco and get a thing, couple things of hard liquor. Um, that's basically broke at the bank at Winterfell, and they're like, we need to figure out how to pay that. And Catelyn just is like, I cannot do this. Uh, I'm worried about my son. And we see that Rob steps in and he's like, okay, I know this is my place. I'm going to step up to it. I'm going to be the king of Winterfell, quote unquote. And he's willing to take that responsibility. But um, as he does that, he has kind of a heart to heart moment with his mom. Like, mom, you need to snap out of it because Rickon is young and he needs you. And she's like, oh, the wolves, the wolves. Oh. And then he's like, oh, let me look outside a fire and he like steps outside literally the second later he steps outside there's an assassin with a huge freaking knife and this scene is also another one i am ready to not ever see again like that oh my god i don't even want to think about it would you rather get a paper cut on your eyeball or see catlin with a bare hand grab a sword oh i mean i'll see her do it again <laughs> <laughs> i'm not that crazy but yeah, no thank you. Um, I'm still wondering how she has her fingers. Um, so then um, the wolf comes, rips out the throat of the assassin. Everybody's fine. Um, I'll have more to talk about that a little bit later in our questions and answers. And then we flash back over to Daenerys. And um, she's having a talk with kind of all the slaves that are giving her a bath and washing her feet. And we find out that the legend basically states from a lot of people, I guess half the people think that um, if you're part of the Dothraki, you think, oh, you know, dragons come from blah, blah, blah. But the other people believe that the dragons come from the moon. And I thought that was kind of cool, um, that it was a giant egg and it cracked in half, which is kind of weird because the moon is whole. Well, <clears throat> it's coming from the Dothraki, so we know that... Well, the Dothraki don't think that. It's what the, um, the, the sex slave says. Oh, okay. The Dothraki thinks it's something basic. I can't remember what they said. Yeah, They're like, it's no, the, no, no. It's Dothraki. a it made of grass. Yeah. Oh. You know how they <laughs> the relate to everything. Grass. Seriously. Um, and she actually says, you know, hey, from the Pleasure House Girl, I can't remember her name, but she's like, you know, where did you learn that? And we learn she was a Pleasure Girl at Karth, and um, she decides, oh, you know, oh, you like dragons. Teach me how to have sex with my man. <laughs> That's a natural progression. So we see that Daenerys is going to start taking kind of uh, an active role in her fate. And instead of just being a prisoner to it, she's going to try to take control of it. Um, we flash up to Jon and the crew and they come up to the wall. And once again, we've seen it. We haven't seen it for a while since the first episode. And it looks beautiful. They have it on a sunset. It's gorgeous. It's phenomenal. It looks more beautiful than a glacier has. I'm, you've seen many of them up here, just like I have. Um, but it, it's phenomenal. Um, and you have a moment of, this is going to suck, but at the same time, like, what a breathtaking place to be. Um, so Catelyn basically is shocked the fuck out of her, uh, stupor with Bran and is like, well, my hands hurt, so I guess I'm going to go investigate. And she fiddles around, you know, 
uh, of the old tower and she finds a one single blonde hair and she does a visual DNA analysis on it and decides, oh, that's a Lannister. <laughs> and she decides shit is going down. So she gathers her kind of trusted people. And her um, monocle. <laughs> do, 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 do. And she says, I need to go and talk to my husband because something's going down and I do not like it. And she's like, don't tell anybody, it's a secret. I'm gonna go on the road. Khaleesi learns to ride the dick, basically. <laughs> so we flash over that, we see that hot little scene. Um, and thank God, because I know in the books, she's like even younger, it's even more rapey. But at the same time, like I am so glad I'm not seeing that anymore because I do find him very attractive, but I do not want to see him as a raper. This should not be an R. Kelly situation, right? you know? Um, so anyways, uh, then we get to my favorite worst scene in the world where we're on the King's Road and the Lannisters are, they're camping basically. And, oh, Ari and the Butcher's Boy are playing. And, oh, Sansa, drink more wine. Let me date rape you, speaking of R. Kelly. And then, oh, happens to come across them. It's a huge ordeal. Um, basically, Joffrey's a little shit. He tries to beat down Arya because of that. Um, basically, the wolf comes and bites him and barely even bites him. We just saw a wolf tear at the Sousen's throat like a couple scenes earlier. So really actually being pretty gentle. We see the sword that he had, which is actually a Valyrian steel sword get thrown into the river, never to be seen again. And all of that shit goes down. So we know things are about to go down because you don't attack the, the prince, basically, and get away with it, even if he is in the wrong. So we have Nymeria basically is hiding out with Arya. Arya throws rocks at her, says, you know, go away. They're going to try to hurt you, which is makes me so sad every time I see it. It's like a horrible little finale. And then, um, you know, we basically see that that the children get hauled before the king. Uh, we find out that Sansa's been kind of under the protection of the queen the entire time. She's very upset, which I know she's a little drunk, but she just pisses me off in that thing because she could have ended it all right now. Uh, Arya gets hauled up and she basically has to call her sister a liar. Her sister says, no, you're the liar. King Robert is like, I don't even care anymore. Like, he just wants can't. to get drunk. He's like, you're a little, like, at least he says to Joffrey, you're a little bitch, basically. But at, at the same time, then he, like, feeds into Cersei because Cersei's like, I want a wolf's head. They're like, well, Nymeria's gone. And we're like, oh, breath of relief. And she's like, kill Lady. And Sansa's like, no, Lady's done nothing wrong. And it's like, yeah, but you're stupid, Sansa. Like, that's what you deserve for not sticking up for your sister, you dumb b-hole. So, unfortunately, we have a death of Lady. She uh, she dies at the hands Rest of... Rest in peace, Lady. Ned is the one who does it because she's of the North, and so he's going to do it instead of the Butcher. Speaking of... Um, or not the Butcher, but... Um, uh, what's his name? The Executioner. But uh, we do see that... Um, the butcher's boy is also executed as well, which he was a pretty innocent bystander, so that's been fortunate too. But the main part of this is we have a awakening of Bran at the sacrifice of Lady. And that's the end of the second episode. So, Anel, through that little quick explanation, was there anything that stuck out that you wanted to focus on? Well, I want to focus on Cat's um, behavior towards John. Okay. 
Do you draw any conclusions from that? That she's an angry bee? <laughs> yeah, she is an angry bee, but does she have, I mean, does she have reason to be beside just that, that resentment that she feels towards Ned for essentially leaving her and betting another woman? And see, I, see, I think we're kind of in an interesting part of this where I do think it's warranted right now in this exact point when he's about to leave again because Ned has been here this entire time, the entire time that Rob and John and the other kids have been born and he's never left. But last time he did leave, which was a while ago, he came back with the bastard. She makes a good point about that. So I see why she's concerned about it now. But the thing is, before any of this even happens, we see that Catelyn is kind of a rude bee to John. And so I just don't, I don't really know. I think one thing that maybe makes sense about it is you have Rob and he is, you know, heir to the throne, quote unquote. It's not really a throne. He's the ward of the North. Um, and maybe she's worried about like the legitimacy of that being threatened by some chance because of John. Um, if something was ever happened to him, it would go to him instead of Bran. I can see that a little bit, but it, it seems a little ridiculous. I agree. And what do you make about Catelyn and her CSI adventures to the tower? I think they're ridiculous. Um, but I do think that it's almost like everything. These hatreds are bred so deep that I feel like she could have just thought that anyway. But does she have any reason to believe that anyone besides the Lannisters may have been in the tower? I mean, it's a tower. She thinks she's just going to find one hair and be like, aha. Yes. I don't know. I feel like she should almost have like garnished all the knowledge of that. She should have been like, oh, and this spot was this big, and so that someone was having sex. So it was incest. Oh, like <laughs> everything, all or nothing is what I'm saying. If yeah. you're gonna be CSI, Catelyn Stark. Private, <laughs> private eye, Catelyn. Um, yeah. How did you feel about Danny um, during this episode? Do you think that? We've watched this many times, so we obviously have a little bit of, uh, you know, our our knowledge of what happens in the later seasons that affects us a little bit. But do you remember what you felt like when you were watching it? I know at this point, this is where I started to like Daenerys. I, the dragon eggs, intrigued me. Um, but this is where she stops playing the victim, and that got really old, even though it was only two episodes, really. And this is where I was like, okay, she's going to take control. Like, I like this. <clears throat> to me, when at first watch which was not this last time I watched it, but initially it was a little confusing because I was like, wait a minute, this felt like rapey and now all of a sudden like the tides have turned. Like, yeah. where's this coming from? I I don't know. It, it didn't feel as clear to me as they could have made it. But then um, I was talking to some people who had read the books and they said that it was a lot clearer in the books of her turning around and, you know, actually being in love with him. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought it was kind of weird how it played out on the show, but... Yeah, I they did change a little bit. I have gone through the first three books. Um, it's hard for me to remember exactly what happens in the first one, but I do know it is played a little bit different. Um, I You know, I think the hard thing, too, is we come from a perspective where we don't have arranged marriages anymore, and people don't usually um, have arranged marriages where they're having sex when they're like 14 because I think that's technically how old she is. So it's very rapey, um, but really she's just kind of doing her duty. He's a horse lord. They can't talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, you 90, know day, you're, you're, 90 Day Fiance. Yeah, but Horse Lord Edition. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely glad that this gets a little bit less rapey because it's easier to watch. Um, oh, for sure. And, yeah, what did, what's your take on the whole nightmare scene? Not really a nightmare, but my nightmare scene where we see Lady die and we have Arya and Sansa against each other and we are introduced to how big of a piece of shit Joffrey is. What is Joffrey, the actor's name? It's something Gleason. Oh, I don't know. And anyway, he did a superb job at making you hate Joffrey, like, from the get. Yeah. Like, Joffrey is just this pretentious little brat. He thinks he's so much bigger and larger than life than he is. He gets challenged, and he's, like, wildly swinging his sword, and he's screaming like a little bitch. Right after, I think, what was in the scene earlier where he was talking to Tyrion, and he says, oh, I hate the, I hate when women wail, or whatever he said. Give me a break. You were crying like a little bitch. bitch. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and um, if I could just, like, watch that scene of Tyrion slapping him one more time. That might be enough to be a palate cleanser for a uh, lady dying. Seriously. Uh, it doesn't, though. It's not. <laughs> I've done it, personally. <laughs> um, okay, and then, you know, we yeah, we have that great ending, so we have something to at least give us some hope for the next episode. We're not so down. Um, okay, so I had some questions, and so I thought we would go back and forth and um, kind of answer them and just discuss them a little bit. We're not going to pay too much attention to them. They're just kind of um, train of thought. Some of them we might have discussed a little bit already, but I think they are helpful, especially for new time watchers. So, okay, my first one is, what is Jorah's motivation to get Viserys back to Illyrio and Pentos? Um, I, I had never really noticed it until now, but... Jorah's like, uh, like, I feel like he says two times, like, oh, Viserys, you can just go back to Pentos. Do you want to go back to Pentos? Like, he seems very eager to get him back over there. Do you have any ideas of what, why that could be? I have some ideas, but I'd like to hear yours first. Well, the only thing I can really think of is that he is there to serve Daenerys. He doesn't really seem to pay too much attention to Viserys. We have a little bit, and we, we see him playing into Viserys a little bit. Um, but I think he realizes that he's going to be a snotty little brat, and he really doesn't want to be around him. And so he's like, you know what? You go kick back, and, um, you know, after Daenerys eats enough horse meat and becomes a little harder, then we'll ride back and get you. You know, at first watch, I just kind of assumed that Jorah was like a prisoner of them that they were just using for benefit. I didn't know what that benefit was, whether it be, you know, knowing a certain language or a skill, but I didn't really know what his purpose was. But I knew that he had a connection to Daenerys and she kind of was using him to kind of figure out her situation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the whole situation of him just showing up is very uh, awkward and um, interesting for sure. Um, okay, so second question. Does Tyrion know what went on with Bran and Cersei and Jaime? Do you think he is intuitive enough to know this? Now, we know we, that it's hinted, and he, we know that he knows that something is going on, but do we think he knows? Did you feel like that? I, Tyrion is kind of a, just a genius anyway, and I think he just can't, at this point in his life, he just can't be bother, bothered with Cersei and Jaime's bizarre relationship or 
their whatever's ongoing and their whatever they have going on. I don't even know. What. And I was like, incest. <laughs> incest. You know, and we all have those family members that you know are up to no uh, good. And you're just kind of like, yeah. I don't have that <laughs> kind of a family member. But those family members that you're like, I don't even want to know. I know whatever you got going on is not anything I want to be a part of. So I just kind of got that vibe from him. Like, he knows that something's up, but he just is like, I... I don't need to know any yeah, more exactly. details. Um, and then kind of along the same vein as that. So we have Circe that goes and says to Catelyn uh, a sob story of a stillborn child, the first child that she um, was to bear from uh, King Rob. And, you Well, know, I got something good about that. Go ahead. Ooh, okay. Well, Juicy. basically, I just, I, I want to know, do you think that this is a real story or is she making it up? Okay, let me spill that tea. Girl, yeah. Okay, I was online and I was looking up things. And do you know that there is a group online that actually believes that Cersei did have a baby? More to come in the spoiler section. Ooh. But it might be someone that we know from later on. Interesting. Okay. When I was watching this the first time, I thought that this was completely real. Um, on rewatch and knowing how vindictive she is already and may pay more attention to things, I think this is just all a lie. Yeah. I don't think there's a single bit of it, and I think it's actually a little jabby at the end there. I kind of felt like she could have been being real with this situation because Cersei is not going to waste her lies for no purpose. And at this point in time, she doesn't have a purpose. She thinks Bran's going to die. And she doesn't have any real reason to worry about Catelyn and trying to gain Catelyn as an ally or make Catelyn think of her as a sympathetic figure because she still is queen when it push comes to shove. And she has no reason to be trying to win Catelyn over with any stories, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think it may be at this point just a seed that the show was planting to use or not use later on. Totally. Um, so we already had kind of talked about, you know, do we feel like Catelyn is kind of always a real biatch to John? Um, and I think I had already said, you know, I think right now it makes sense. We've seen it a couple of times, but it doesn't really make sense for her to be a biatch all the time to him. Um, you would think after she's raised him for this many years, yeah, she would have had be, time to get over him. He would have felt more like her own child. Exactly. And it's not a, he's not a piece of crap. Like he wants to be, do the honorable thing. He's just like his father. Quote Plus unquote. the relationship he has with her other kids, yeah. Arya for one. You'd think she would be a bigger butthole to, um, Theon Greyjoy. I mean, he is basically a hostage and he's not of blood at all. And, I mean, that entire family um, tried to kill the Starks. So, yeah, you would think she would have a little bit more resentment towards him. Here's the thing. Ned's getting ready to go on this King's Road, which is essentially the highway to hell. Last time he left, all shit broke loose. So, maybe she's just feeling a little triggered. I'm... Bran just almost got murdered. She may or may have not got her hand cut down to the bone. And um, This her... is true. I'm, I don't... So this question, because we've already kind of talked about this, but this is my real question. If it's right now, just by the bedside of Bran, if it's, you know, three years ago, if it was from the beginning, why doesn't Ned step in and say, Catelyn, 
stop being a biatch. That's because Ned's the moral compass of the show. So he can take a look at Catelyn's perspective and understand where she's coming from. Even though he can't, you know, say that... I guess he could say, sorry, but... I'm sure there's more to the story beyond what Catelyn even realizes. And he just doesn't have a good defense for that. So he kind of maybe feels a little bit of guilt. I feel like even though he's guilty, I feel like he should take that and say, hey, be pissed off at me, but he hasn't done anything. He was born in this world and innocent. Well, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> I guess. Um, that same vein, why isn't Ned more concerned for his son, Bran? It's just like, okay, um, yep, uh, my son is in a coma. Yeah, you know, kind of weird this all of a sudden happened. But you know what? I'm going to leave. Eh, good luck. Yeah. Don't you find that a little weird? Well, he's got three other sons. Oh, <laughs> you know, like you do. I'm just kidding. But he does, I think he he is concerned, but he has um, made sworn an oath to Robert. And he is one of those people that values his commitments. And he puts that commitment to Robert above all other things. And he probably thinks that, you know, the North is where everyone will be safe. And trust Catelyn. I mean, if she's going to grab a sword, I mean, <laughs> who else is going to do that? Yeah, to me, I felt like this whole thing was very... I think the original plan was that Bran would go with Ned to King's Landing. He would get a little bit of experience of that. And that Rickon would stay and that Rob would stay with Catelyn and they would help run everything. And then maybe eventually... There'd be some people going back and forth. I also don't really understand why Arya is going to the capital because I feel like they know. I think what they're trying to do is probably class her up a little bit. But at the same time, I think they should know that this is going to be a nightmare because she's not going to be happy there and she should really be at home with the boys. Okay. And I'm not talking about 2019 America, but in this fantasy <laughs> oh land, oh right? God. Let me get ready. The boys have to stay in Winterfell because they need to chop wood and they need to be there for the thing that men do. Um, obviously, Sansa is up her own butt with like, oh, Joffrey. She's got to be there to kind of handle things and, you know, potentially she might become the next queen. I mean, honestly. That makes sense to me. But it's Arya, Arya that doesn't make sense. Arya is also a girl who acts like a boy, and she needs to be there to get dignified, I guess. She needs to be there to learn how to be more like Sansa. Blech. We all know how I feel about that. But yes. um, boys stay in Winterfell. Girls need to go learn how to do things that ladies do. But we all know what happens to ladies. They get their throat slit by Cersei. So. Oh, God. Well, speaking of ladies, so how the hell does Catelyn not die from her root wounds from that blade? A, holy crap, traumatic. B, there's no medicine. <laughs> Infection. She's a robot. She is a robot <laughs> from the private eye. That's how she was able to classify a hair with DNA accuracy. That's how she was able to not lose any fingers from grabbing a sword. Yeah, I just feel like if, if you came at me with a butter knife and I did that, I would, like, have some gnarly-ass wounds. All She's right, like, folks, we'll be right back. Corey and I are going to go <laughs> do an experiment. With a butter knife. But she basically wraps some gauze around her hands, and she's like, yeah, I'm good to go. 
that also brings up another point. How much time is passing from this entire episode? You know, we have... It, all of a sudden it just jumps and it, it's very confusing even for someone who's watching it for you know the second or third time how much time do you think took place during the entire episode well that depends on how fast do direwolves grow <laughs> who knows Let's basically full-grown already so well how long do you think the king's road is and how long do you think well we already be? have been told it takes about a month to go on the king's road right okay yeah but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay. So I'm, yeah, I'm not really sure because we have time that passes until they do that. We have the feast. To me, I feel like it's been a couple weeks. How long does it but take Catelyn's hand and fingers to grow back? back? Well, she's a robot, so instantly, evidently. I just, I don't even think there is an answer to that. It just is something that concerns me especially in these earlier episodes you know what i noticed though since we're talking about that that maybe it was obvious to everyone else so please no comments about this because i just caught on the dagger used in the attempted murder of brand it's called cat's paw mm-hmm. like, Stark. like her hand oh yeah all right Corey. whatever i already thought all of right that. continue i'm a genius um okay so we have my favorite scene, you know. Um, why does Sansa leave her dog? And, like, has she never... I mean, I'm going to guess that the boys around Winterfell, besides her brothers, are probably a little date rapey too. Like, doesn't she know not to go and drink and walk around with strange men? I think what's unfortunate for women in this fantasy land is that they're taught to smile and be agreeable for men, and especially Sansa, who is just trying her best to be a queen one day. She's going to say whatever she thinks that Joffrey wants her to say, no matter if it means betraying her family, Arya, betraying her direwolf lady, or betraying herself. And I think that's going to come to bite her in the ass. Mm-hmm. Totally. How does killing another dog for another dog's actions make any sense? And why in the hell doesn't Ned or Robert decide to put five more minutes into deciding what the hell happened before they go into this? Well, obviously, Robert's drunk. But I think what the importance of that um, part of the episode was is that you get your first taste of how vindictive and evil that Cersei can be. Because Cersei didn't care about that dog. She just wanted Sansa and Arya and the Starks to pay a price. Yeah, I, I agree that she's definitely showing her true colors. That brings me to another question is, you know, we have Cersei, we have Jaime. They're on the DL for pushing Bran out that window. Why you got to act like an enemy right off the bat? Like, geez Louise. They're like, hey, you know who it is? Probably us, because we're really mean and don't like you. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Um, and then, why does the sacrifice of a lady wake up a brand, do you think? Um, I didn't get that from it. I just thought it was like a good parallel book ending to the first, where Bran fell, knocked out, and now he's awake. But I guess I could see it both ways. 
I, in my mind, it definitely is a sacrifice. And I think that all of the boys and um, the girls definitely as well, but all, you know, every one of them has their wolf and they're exactly representative. And I feel like they are all connected in probably a greater way than we know so far. And that this is the start of something is extremely wrong. We have one of them is dead. You know, um, Bran was in a coma and I think it, it wakes him up because stuff's going to go down and he needs to be awake for it. So I just think it's, it's interesting the way they did that. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. Okay. So now that we have those out of the way, I have some kind of overall questions. So, you know, and now what do you think the theme of this episode is? The theme of this episode is... Keep your friends close and your twin brother closer. Oh, well, I always do. <laughs> you know me. Nice. Do you want to expand on that at all? Or? No. No? Okay, perfect. Um, I think that for me, this one, the, the title is The King's Road, and I think it's really about journeys and um, realization. So we have John journeying to the wall and basically realizing that he is going to the middle of nowhere to do something for honor, which is really not that honorable. Um, you know, that's what they tell everybody at night to have a good story, but really it's a bunch of rapers and thieves that had no other choice besides dying or going to the wall. We have, you know, the journey of Arya and Sansa and Ned, and they're going to the capital. And along the way, you know, we have this idea of, oh, the king and his family and honor, and um, we're going to protect them. and really they find out that, well, they're not going to really be able to protect the king and that someone might need to protect them. So I think it's about journeys and realizations. I guess I could, I could go along with that. I guess what I really took from it is commitments. Cause I saw a mother committed to her son. She's willing to grab a sword with her bare hands to protect him. I see the direwolves committed to their Starks. I see Nymeria trying to protect Arya. I see um, John following through with his commitment to go to the wall. I see just various commitments through there. And no matter if you really, if your heart's in it or not, you're going to go through because you've made a commitment to do that. Nice. Which I, I guess I like is kind too. of the same. Yeah, I mean, I think an episode can have multiple themes too, for sure. Um, what was your favorite part of this episode? Hmm. My favorite part. It's okay. You can say, uh, Dothraki, uh, lovemaking. <laughs> um, I'd have to say my favorite part is Tyrion slapping Joffrey. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty good part. Yeah. That's an excellent part, I'd say. Um, yeah, well, we all know my least favorite part, um, but I would say that my favorite part out of all of this is really, it kind of, this is kind of weird to say, but, like, John going off, um, like, we get such a hint of, like, so much more to come, and John's story is so interesting. You know, we started the first episode off at the wall, and it's so, like, intriguing of, what are these White Walkers? what's going on, like, who made the wall, like, this is insane, and then we just kind of abandoned that, and we haven't even talked about it really this entire time, and then now we have John going up to this journey, and, you know, 
yes, we know that the Lannisters are vipers and that the capital is going to be fraught with a lot of stuff. And that's definitely intriguing to me. But like, there's so much more possibility up the wall. And so I think him going there and taking the next step, that was my kind of favorite part. Him seeing everybody off and, and going to become a man. Yeah. And traveling with Tyrion, because I, I really think Tyrion and Jon are a good uh, pair of guys. Oh, yeah. I love Tyrion. One thing, though, that let me piggyback off of what you were saying. I forgot to ask you, what did you make of it? Is the conversation between Jamie and Jon. Do you remember that yeah. part? What did you make of that? That he's basically telling him, you haven't... I, this is the thing. If you look back on it, and this might be more of a spoiler, but I don't okay, think it's too it bad. Spoilers. I don't think this is too bad though. Okay, actually, we'll we'll talk about it in spoilers. Um, okay, so those were our favorite parts of the episode. What's your favorite character so far? For me, it's definitely John. Oh yeah, John all the way, hundred percent. At this point, John. And what about your least favorite character? I think we can both agree, Joffrey. Joffrey. Perfect. Um, okay, so. You know, there's a bunch of stuff when you first watch this episode. It makes you kind of feel a lot different than the first episode did. How, do you remember what your mindset was when you were first watching it at the end of this? Because I you can't like, believe that Jamie pushed that kid out of the window. Well, that was the first episode. You said that my thoughts after well, the first episode. That's, I mean, like, after this episode. Sorry, I phrased that wrong. What were your thoughts at the end of this episode? Were you like, I like the first one better? You're, I like where this is going more. Did you feel like there was more substance? What did you think? Um, well, I wasn't committed after the first episode, so it took me a few episodes to get into it, but definitely wanting to know like what the what they were going to find, how they were going to solve this mystery. Private Eye Catelyn, if she was ever going to get more DNA evidence. You know, I was starting to just get committed based on I wanted to know if... Jamie and Cersei ever got caught. Who the F is this Joffrey? He seems like a little dick. And what's the wall? Yeah, definitely. I, in my head, when I think back to this, I feel like this episode is like four episodes down, but it's not. It's the second episode. Um, so I feel like this is one that builds a lot of the world and fills it out. And we see a little bit more like I felt like John in the first one was kind of just a little whiny and like, man, now you see like, oh, like he's very honorable. He's just like his dad, but he's so honorable that he doesn't realize the truth. Uh, we see a lot just more like his dad. Yeah, totally. We have Arya like she's we see so much more of her than she's just a tomboy. You know, we see like she has substance. We see Catelyn. We see how much of a mom she is and protective of her son. But at the same time, like how fraught that is with emotion and how she can be mean to John. Like we see a lot of that. And so character I really, building, yeah. a lot more character building. I think this is where probably I started really, really liking the show. Still was not committed. <laughs> Still thought it. it was like a little weird. <laughs> But like I said, this was not my cup of tea, so it took me a little convincing. Yeah, totally. I have commitment issues to shows. Um, <laughs> this is the really important question. What do you think a grumpkin is? A grumpkin? Let's see. I think I helped one today. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Aren't all our customers grumpkins? Um, no, really. Um, with that, you know, I think we've talked a lot about all the questions that we had in our head. Um, we would love to hear questions from you. So if you guys want to drop us a line, 
If you look into the description, if you're on Apple Podcasts, there is a link to our Gmail. It's at tobeperfectlyhonestpodcast at gmail.com. We also have a website at www.tobeperfectlyhonestpodcast.com. There's a link to all of our episodes and ways to get in touch with us as well. If you guys want to leave us a line, if there's any corrections that you have or anything that we didn't bring up, feel free to write us. And if you want to, it'd be really great if you rated us on iTunes and left us a comment. Um, with that, as always, I'm Corey. I'm Anel. And if you want to listen to some spoilers, stay tuned. If not, we'll see you next week. Okay, Anel. So we're back and we're talking spoilers. So if you haven't watched everything... Close your ears, turn the podcast off, otherwise you're going to get spoiled. So I got a lot of stuff in here, and for the sake of time, I'm going to make it a little bit more uh, truncated. But the story about Cersei's child, I want to hear what you were going to say. Oh, let me spill that tea Spill that tea, girl. So there's actually a group of people, fans of the show, fans of the book, that think that even though this part was left out of the book that um because Cersei never saw the body and they never specifically say this child died they said he was taken by the whatever the fever and she never saw the body she never went to the crypt that this could actually be Gendry oh and we all know how dumb Gendry is so he definitely didn't get that last <laughs> yeah I I am still of the faith that, and you know, who knows, because this could totally happen in the book, but in the TV show, I don't think they're going to do anything with it. I think she lied. She's a master liar manipulator, and I think we're seeing that early on. So there's nothing that's too taboo for her to say. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe the show planted that, thinking that they were going to get back to it, but if it's not Gendry, then I think it's just one of those seeds they planted, just in case. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, next spoiler. So, do you think Ned would have actually told John next time and, like... Not died? Like, no. No, I mean, I'm just saying, like, what a cockblock. Like, I just don't understand, like... It, okay, so let's assume that John is at the wall, that Ned comes back, everything's hunky-dory. He's like, oh, the Lannisters were very nice, we had tea. He goes to the wall to visit his son and tells him the truth, like... What's John going to do now? He can't leave. He can't do anything. He can't go and, like, try to find his long-lost family. Like, he's stuck at the frickin' wall, like, with his his grandpa, Eamon, like... Do you... Here's my question. Do you think that he sent uh, John to the wall knowing that there'd be another Targaryen there? No. And Targaryens should never be alone? I don't know how many people know that, because, honestly, if Eamon was really no i think robert would have killed him you think, <laughs> he wouldn't have yeah, trusted but the you old think, blind man you think ned doesn't know with benjen being there that aemon's a targaryen i don't know i'm not sure and then this is my my other thing is like i know we had talked about in the last spoilers but i really think that benjen knows more than we know like he when we are at that crossroads benjen is standing and looking and ned is having this conversation with john about telling him and he'll he'll tell him who it is and benjen has this look that is just like Oh my God, he knows everything. And if he would have, he would have known his sister. He probably was more intuitive than Ned was. He probably knew. Hey, oh yeah, they're banging. Yeah, 
Possibly. I, I mean, I also feel like I needed more background, and I hope we get that in this next season, and maybe I would get it from the books if I could ever get it off my butt and finish them, but... Like, I want to know, did Liana just get kidnapped and then fell in love with their captor? Or, like, was there something going on before and then, like, they arranged it? Like, what was the whole deal, you know? Secret love. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a Romeo and Juliet story, okay? Capulets, Targaryens. I mean, that's what I think. But at the same time, when I, I listen to the podcast and I watch this over and over again, sometimes I feel like, well, wouldn't they have known? I, I guess I don't know. Um, okay, so another kind of spoiler. Do you think that Ned is sticking up for the Targaryens because he knows that they're John's family and his family through Lyanna? And, like, if not, like, what's his reason for saying that they're not a threat? Like, they live in a time where, like, literally everybody is a threat. And he's like, ah, no, Dothraki, fine. She's pregnant? Nah, no, not a big deal. I think it's both. Because, for one, he doesn't want... It getting out about John and then Robert trying to kill John. But for two, I mean, really, what are the odds that this small boy and girl rise up against all the other obstacles that they have and form an army and come against him? Pretty low. Yeah. Um, so Jorah showing up is so sudden and weirdly unquestioned. Like, does he really just come out of the city and like say to her oh hey like i i'm gonna serve you and i I just knew like i knew your father <laughs> like hey no big deal like how sketchy is that i don't know i fell for it hook line and sinker i didn't question i just assumed okay this I, is part of the clan i feel like the first time i watched it there were too many people there and i was just like <laughs> i'm like people. yeah white guy he yeah totally <laughs> but like you think about it and you're like oh no and then knowing that he's a spy you're like oh yeah, no, that's really obvious. <laughs> like, uh-huh. oh, here's some books. Can I follow you? Mmm. Yeah, Creepy. totally. Um, okay, so here's one, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but Cat's Paw. So this is a Valerian steel blade, right? Correct. Why? There are literally, we know, like, I can count on, like, hands mm, three or four times amount that exists in the world why would you go and use this as an assassin's blade to frame someone but like literally you could use anything else of theirs well they know valerian steel is going to be something that catches your attention it just seems so ridiculous also we hear all this hype about valerian steel right we know that ned has a valerian steel sword ice right Chops clean through a fucking head. Catelyn stops it with the palm of her hand. She's, She's like, stop! In the name of Bran! Well, that's obvious. She's a robot. She's a robot. <laughs> she is not from time or hey. space that's legitimate in this So story. let me get this right. She's a robot? <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, I just want to bring attention to that. Okay, so ask me this question again about Jamie and John. Because I said I would wait for this in the spoilers. Okay. So what do you make of Jamie and John's conversation before John uh, continued his journey to the wall? Okay. So this is my opinion on it is knowing what we know now about Jamie, right? He was in the Kingsguard. Mm, and he... Yeah. <laughs> 
I know you love Jamie. Listen to season seven if you don't know about Anel's fixation on Jamie. But he basically did the same thing, I think. Oh, His more. wall was the Kingsguard. His dad was basically like, the honorable thing is go and do this. And he was like, okay, I'll be part of the Kingsguard. And then he basically became like a servant of the king. He just, the same thing he does with Robert in the next episode where he's basically like outside while Robert's like fucking and getting drunk. And he's like, God, like this is what my life is. Like, this is so lame. And I think he has resentment against Ned for that because what he really wanted in life, I think, was to be that noble knight, to go off into battle, to do fight for what was right. But because of his family and because of what he decided to do, he wasn't able to do that. That's why he admires Bran of Tarth so much. Exactly. And I think it's kind of the same thing here with John. Now, John obviously hasn't gone to the wall yet, but I think he realizes that like he's about to do the same thing he's going and jumping into something for honor when he has no idea of what's really going on he doesn't know the sacrifice he's making and he knows he's going to get up there and he's going to be like well shit this is not what it lives up to be at the same time that is more honorable than what he ended up doing and i think he's a little jealous of it totally okay so let me add to that um did you take notice of the part where he was talking about um where Jamie was talking about Bran and how, oh, I'd hate, I would, I would rather die than be a grotesque. Yeah, and then and his brother flash is right forward there, yeah. to, no, 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 I'm just thinking of, oh, his flash hand. forward to season four and he's literally oh, yeah. lost a hand. I think this is like, take the other hand. I think he's just like his twin sister. Like, oh, yeah. I think that, you know, he, we, we know from later episodes very early on that like Jamie and Tyrion are like, fairly good brothers and they really do care about each other through thick and thin so like i mean his brother's a grotesque by the definition and i don't think he really thinks that and you know i think he knows in a lot of people that are grotesque we have the hound that's also grotesque and i think he's lying through his teeth i mean he's basically just saying hey <laughs> like give up on your son stop feeding him because i don't want to deal with this do you think it would be satisfying if in this final season Jamie was actually faced with that decision and had to make a decision whether it was worth staying alive, being truly grotesque, like if something horrible happened to him, he's like blown up or something, on fire. I think he's going to go out fighting because that's what he's always dreamed of. I think that Jamie, his character is basically, he is all about like finding his truth. And so his truth is loving his sister as gross as that sounds, that's like he really gets off on fighting to the best of his ability and giving it 100% and loving his sister. And those are the two things he gives a shit about. I think in any other circumstance, Jamie would be like a Ned parallel. Like he is unconditionally devoted to his sister. He has wanted to be a noble knight his whole entire life. As a victim of circumstance, the person that he fell in love with was his twin sister who is an evil hoe bag, and he... How do you really feel? <laughs> I mean, I didn't tell you how I felt about Sansa, but... You know what I mean? Like, he's... In any other circumstance, if he was born a Stark, he'd be just, like, a John. Yeah, totally. You know, going to that, I wasn't going to add this part, but I will throw it in there, and I think we should right, end yeah. here, because we're right almost on an hour. Um, so, what do you think would happen if... Arya and John got together? No, I'm not going to. That'd be the next R. Kelly episode. 
<laughs> not going like that. What do you think would happen if in a magical world we took John and we switched him with Joffrey? Do you think that... I'm trying to capture that in my mind. So Joffrey is raised as a ward by the Starks. He's given everything that Ned believes in. He's risen, ri risen to be a Stark. Oh. And we have John. They don't know he's a bastard, but he's basically raised to be a king. Do you think it would be... Is it... My question is, is it the person or is it the situation? Oh, that's easy. We have that already. You would have Theon. That's Joffrey. <laughs> and yeah. you would have Rickon. <laughs> that's John. Okay. And Marat? I, Marat? I don't know. I just feel like Joffrey does have a beginning. We see in, is it this episode or the next episode where he's talking with his, oh, it's the next episode, but... He's talking with his mom, and he's like, oh, I cried. I was a little baby. And she's like, We're, we change it to whatever we want because you're the king. And, like, if you want to fuck painted whores, you can fuck painted whores. And you really just see, like, even when he's, like, trying to be like, oh, like, I have no honor, and I, I was horrible. Like, his mom's like, it doesn't matter. We're evil. <laughs> like. Yeah. Like, he's trying to feel some something some sort of guilt or yeah and regret, i regret and she tames it down by saying no you don't have to feel that because we're rich and continually force feeding that like it, it's just a little much because we are lannisters yeah, yeah 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 okay well with that one i think i have all my questions answered i'm ready for season one episode three how about you me too i cannot wait we hope you guys can't either um like we said in the outro for the first part, remember to drop us a line that is in the description, our Gmail, and go to our website and rate and review us on iTunes. With that, as always, I'm Corey. I'm Anel. And be perfectly honest.